You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Break It Down podcast. We are back in what everybody loves so much, which is when the Break It Down podcast overlaps with an Emory record, and then we get to actually talk about music theory and recording and technical stuff. That's how I started this podcast in the first place, so I'm glad to have new material to do it with. If you didn't catch last week's episode, uh, go back and listen to that one. We did a contest kind of a thing where I played an instrumental track and talked about it and then let it out there for everybody uh, before anybody gets to hear Devin and Toby's vocals on it. And so it's kind of a game. You have the opportunity to get what they get and then try to compose vocals um, from their point of view and see how you can do with it. And uh, a ton of people are working on it, they told me. So I'm excited. I haven't listened to any submissions yet, just so you know. Uh, and But we'll get to those soon, and we'll play them and talk about that. Also, obviously, with Emory having a new record coming out, we have tour dates, and that's going to be a part of the Bad Christian Roadshow, which is in November, largely on the East Coast. You can go to bcroadshow.com, and uh, you can get your tickets there and see what else we're doing. It's kind of like a Bad Christian conference, mini little conference thing in the afternoon. Uh, Bad Christian's going to do the podcast live. Emory, Sherwood, Tyson Motzenbacher, Vocal Few. It's going to be a great uh, event, and I hope to see everybody out there. And uh, the song we're going to talk about today is called Is This the Real Life? The working title before that was... Chris, you want to tell them? Oh, uh, Toby Does Drugs. It was called Toby Does Drugs originally. And uh, <laughs> and it's on Spotify right now. There's a video on YouTube. So if you're interested in hearing the song in more detail and hadn't heard it uh, beyond that, then you know go check it out over there. All right, run the theme music, and we'll get started. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's Yeah. Okay, my guest today, who I have to talk about this with, I'm very excited uh, to let everybody else get to hear from him instead of me all the time. And this is Chris Keen. Chris, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. I've been looking joining forward to Joining me. Um, Chris is in Chico, California. Chris was a member of the band Number One Gun and the lead guy in the band Surrogate, who's one of my favorite bands who I've had on this podcast before. And That's right. Chris is down there. What's really and Chris has been playing guitar in Emory for I don't know a couple of years almost now, right? Yeah, coming up on two years. Yeah. So Chris has been playing guitar with us a couple of years, learned the ins and outs uh, for, of a, of what we're about and what we do. And Chris is a recording engineer and a brilliant player and writer. And so on this record, one of the things that we've done uh, on it is I've recorded the least amount that I've ever recorded probably on an Emory record, except maybe the week's end on this one. And uh, Chris did a lot of the production in his studio, which I'm talking to him on Skype right now, which is really right. cool because all the all the record, other than some vocals Toby and Devin did at home, was recorded either where you're sitting right now, which I'm very familiar with, or right here in this room where I sit all the time. So <laughs> it's where the magic all happens. Yeah, yeah, but, but not not entirely though, because Toby and Devin did stuff in their basements. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. But uh, Chris handled a lot of the production, and 
all the way starting from the demos, which he wasn't around when we did the demos themselves, when we wrote the original little demos of the song, and some of them weren't very very good in the first place. And then we, we gave them to Chris, who had been playing with us for a while, and this is one of the neat things. It's kind of like outsourcing in a way. It was, it was, there's more stuff for me to let go of, which gives a different point of view. It was really kind of fun. So what we did was take these demos of the of the songs of us in a room together, just jamming ideas until they made sense. And then we gave these really rough demos to Chris and said, put them in Pro Tools, establish a yeah. click, arrange them, finish arranging them if they're not done, come up with a structure, see if you can interpret what I was trying to do on guitar there, <laughs> make a make a pre-production demo. And that was the second phase of what we did. And then, the, then after the pre-production demo, everybody got to really figure out what they wanted to play and what their parts were, and we replaced those pre-production demo tracks, tracks by, track by track, until the whole thing was built kind of thing. Is that about right. the process? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, tasked with the job of, of, yeah, I think the most important thing was establishing a, a click track and a rough structure. Because some of those demos that you sent over were, you know, like 45 seconds long or, mm -hmm. you know, pretty pretty rudimentary. Um, and so my job was to sort of anticipate what might have been uh -huh, the next right. step, you know, and uh, did my best to to put that into, you know, using using uh, MIDI drums and, you know, just real thrown-together quick production style. Um, yeah, try to try to make them into, you know, three, two or, two or three-minute songs, and and that was, the, that was the next step. Yeah, it's a big task to do that because it takes so many different skills, and I don't know many people that have all of those skills. Oh, you know, you're sweet. Thanks. Well, I mean, not only you have to have the guitar, bass, and drum skills, but you also have to know me. You have to know what we're like and what we would right. do. You know, you have to be able to anticipate those things to do it. I don't think many other people could have done it. And so yeah. I thought that that it really made it more easy. This whole record has been the most easiest and most fun one that I've ever worked on. And it's because it's, you did a lot of the things that I didn't have to do so I could step yeah. back and, and see it more so and it was uh, it was that was really good however it probably about like to kill you to do it all huh <laughs> no i mean it was it was fun and i think i think the the kind of secret weapon was we i mean all of us kind of grew up listening musically grew up listening to the same music mm -hmm. you know we all we all listened to like early emo stuff so i think our our natural natural inclinations are pretty in line of of where we would go um in a macro sense. Yeah. So. I mean, you, you're in Emory now for the most part. I mean, you don't do photo yeah. shoots and stuff like that. But I mean, musically, if we're doing something, you're, you know, you're at the table with us in, in whatever way. So yeah. that's been really nice. I, I've just really, really like it having somebody else to play with. It is a contemporary of mine that I just, it feels good. I mean, you play it, I play it. You write it, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, I feel great yeah. about that. So, um, but what about the workload here? There had to have been moments where it was like, oh my gosh, more songs and more like which song is what and staying up late. And, you know, especially when we got started getting toward the deadlines, I felt like everybody was pretty crunched. Yeah, it was a, it was a little stressful, but I think, um, I don't know, there was a, there was some solidarity. Everybody was kind of in it together, and that that definitely helped sort of alleviate the the pressure and the the urgency a little bit. I didn't want um, to leave any room for like 
allowing you to express that you were burnt out or anything, so I never really asked the question, <laughs> but I had suspected that you were like, holy shit, this is more than I want, thought it was supposed to be. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a little bit uh, a little bit more than I was I was anticipating just just based on the fact that every everybody was in a different state mm-hmm. everybody's um you know and it's important to get everybody's input and and you know thumbs up on everything so it was like you you change a part um you think it sounds great but you have you know five other people you have to email it to and get get their perspectives on which is wasn't overwhelming necessarily but it was it was just a lot of extra steps that I'd never really done before mm-hmm. um but the flip side of that is everybody knows their place. Nobody has an ego and, uh, you know, everybody is responsive and did a good job with, you know, filling their role, which I, was, so, it's just so functional. Everybody, it's a well-oiled machine at this point. Yes, I, I think it's well-oiled. That is true. I don't think it's true that nobody has any egos exactly, but I think <laughs> it's not super ego, but I people do have very strong opinions, but we've gotten really good at the art of picking your battles. Like, yeah, that's what they, I know that's what they think about me is like, well, we just let Matt get his way, whatever. But that's what I think. I just let them get their way all the time. I guess. Yeah. Maybe, maybe ego is the wrong word. Maybe, uh, there was a, there's an abundance of diplomacy. Yeah. Yeah. Diplomacy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, I mean, I feel like, oh, I'm constantly just going, oh, like, that's an uphill battle. I'm just going to let this go. No matter, I definitely disagree. I don't like that this part, is, whatever it is. But it's not the hill you know, to die on today. Right. And yeah. when it is time, then <laughs> then I'll come strong and they'll back off or, or whatever, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So Well, and nobody's punitive. Nobody's, no. nobody's you know, arbitrarily, you know, hard to deal with. Everybody has a valid reason for what mm-hmm. they feel. We're pretty good about not having people trying to like get this is something that I think is relatively toxic in bands is when you have people that want to get their uh, uh idea in something just yeah. be, just so that they feel that they are of uh, of value or have something or right. you know just their to signature just, on something. Yeah, even if yeah. it's not better but they want, they think if they put themselves into it and argue a point and get it through, then they become more solidified or valuable. Or I mean, that it's insecurity only that, that drives that. Oh. But but that's pretty toxic, I think, when you're trying to be collaborative. Yeah, and 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 that's um, you know that's something that's definitely not. I mean, I never got the vibe from anybody mm-hmm. that that was that was the case with any of these. No. So this whole thing was pretty efficient, but let's go through the, what did I say? There's three phases there. There's the phase where we demoed these songs. There was a phase where we were in pre-production, and then that right. kind of flows into production um, in some interesting ways. But the demos that we did, when we wrote these songs, we got together in Bremerton at Mike Carrera's studio. I think I mentioned that last week. Uh, and we brought just some ideas, and these ideas were pretty unformed. They were just like a guitar part or a a, a yeah. melody over a thing or a drum beat, stuff like that. And we would sit there and we'd work on the songs for about two hours. And then we'd say, that's about all we can do. We'd get as far as we could in about two hours per song that had one strong idea. And that would that was what was our demos. We made nine demos um, in three days, two days in Bremerton, I think, two or three days. We made nine yeah. demos. And then we did one other session where we made like five or six demos somewhere else. And then those, those became the songs. One thing I never... Uh, really 
asked about. Did you guys, how much of that was written before you guys went to Mike's studio? Was it did was that written on the spot or well, it was like, like ideas that were. I mean, formed? they were just ideas, like I'm saying, like uh, so like a chord progression or something. Yes, like I, if I had a chord progression, is something that I typically might have a feel and a chord progression and a beat. You know, Dave. One of the the song we did last week and talked about it was Dave's drum idea, and then on the spot I took took it into harmonized it and made a chord function, and then we worked on it a little bit, and then that was it. And uh, is that some of them, Devin will have an idea with a little... Me- Devin will have developed ideas. Toby will have undeveloped ideas. So when Devin <laughs> has an idea, he'll have like, the drums could do this. I was thinking the bass would do this. And then this and this might happen. And then Toby's right. ideas are 30 seconds of emotion and fingers in weird places on the guitar. And it's pretty exciting. <laughs> if it's catchy, it's just really exciting. But there's t- And it's really exciting and inviting because then there's tons to do. Like oh, that, yeah. when, you know, when Toby has a super raw idea that's already catchy, there's tons of work to do, and it's going to pay off. You already know, so that yeah, can be really it's fun. just polishing that that mm-hmm. diamond that's in there. Yeah. yeah. So we have three types of songs. That, I mean, there's the mm-hmm. ones that I do. It, traditionally, I've done them where the songs that I do, I'll finish all the way, and and then vocals get written on. And so that's been some of our yeah. really big songs have been that way. Um, but again, the the, the Toby really catchy ideas that we work on together turn out good or that I take and finish a song. And Devin has these really developed, uh, usually, contexts that work out pretty good. Now, yeah. oddly, though, I cannot even remember the origin of this one. So I can't remember who had the initial idea or what we were thinking, but we just put some parts together. And this would have been in a couple hours. I've got the demo, so let me find it here. It's, it was... we. Working title had it labeled Bremerton Eight, so we'll just start with that. Uh, and we just had an H six recorder. I had my same thing I do with podcasting, and just you know use the stereo mic and had it in the room. Which my gosh, that room actually sounds really good um, at that place. I'm, I'm jealous of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm gonna play this and see if we can talk over it, and I'll tell you if I, what I remember about it. But the song, if you want to listen to it now, just jump to the end of the episode. If you want to hear it first, but I'm not going to play the whole song now. Most people have already heard it because we've been promoting it for a couple of weeks. It's on Spotify. But if you want to pause it and listen to the song first, you can. But the song is, Is This the Real Life? And uh, here is, here's what we came up with in a couple hours on that. So the main vibe of that part, I remember thinking, was not really very impressive. I was like, okay, well, the chords are fine. Yeah. You know, this, is, that's, this is a song that I was not, I didn't have a real strong feeling on one way or the other until I heard Toby's vocals on it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this makes So when you heard this demo and just heard this music, it sounded relatively pedestrian to you as well. It's a... A little simple, a little mm-hmm. plodding, you know. Yeah. Um, well, these verses I hate. Like, you know, yeah. I never thought the, they were good. This those part. were the first things to go. Yeah. When we, uh, <laughs> yeah. But this is a, you can hear it has a little verse and a pre-chorus thing in the same, you know. It's just like, I don't know. Clearly the idea was in the this part. Yeah. This was the hook. Yeah, that was a from, little bit of a hook, the and it had beginning. a good feel and a good tonality to it. I'll talk about the chords in a minute, but um, well, I'll talk about the chords yeah, in a minute. I want to analyze them a little bit, but 
Yeah, it's so, it so this part here, it's in the, the song's in basically the key of G, but it doesn't really play the, the note G. It, it starts on C and then goes D, and then it has that secondary dominant A7, A major kind of chord there. Right, and then major, we fabricated some verse here, but it's just major and happy and in the same key. And again, I, I felt like That's this was one pretty four, pedestrian. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing yeah. really interesting about it. And then um, we had a bridge and out that was. Uh, let's see what happens next here in the song. So I think that was a separate idea that we tacked on. Like, yeah. it was from some other idea that somebody had. I can't remember. It might have been mine, those chords or something. But Definitely we were just combining a, uh, a diff, two ideas together, got the tempo right, tried to make the drums quirky. And then I think yeah. we figured out that would feel good to kick into something here, you know. Oh, yeah, that's right. This part didn't change a ton. Musically. I haven't listened to this since before we tracked everything. <laughs> so the drums stayed the same, and that vibe at the end stayed the same. Yeah. Um, that you know the, that the way it picks up and takes off at the end, I knew that was good, and I knew the main hook was good. That that's those are the things I knew from the beginning. But the verse, I was like, okay, this isn't good. Uh, do you remember when we rewrote yeah. that verse at your studio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the discussion before it that prompted us to rewrite the verse? I don't uh, remember what made us. I mean, I remember doing it and coming up with a new idea, but I can't remember if who said we got to rewrite it or if if Toby ever tried to write on that original part. I don't remember. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we ever got to the point where anyone was writing vocals with that verse. I think it was you just being like, Mm. "I hate that verse." Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. But we kind of turned it into like a, a a little game. Like you wrote one verse uh, progression, and then I wrote a totally separate one, and we sent it out. Um, and uh, everyone elected to to write to yours, um, which I think was absolutely the right call. It was a, yeah, it was a weird key change. So I th- I guess I thought, well, we should do a key change for sure. I mean, it just should that I don't want to go minor and I don't want to stay major I just neither want to just stay in this I don't know I just needed to go somewhere crazy and then try to figure make it work was, yeah. was kind of the thing that wasn't when we had that conversation about um uh that Roy Orbison song was it or was that a, on a different song I can't remember I think that was in the key change on the one that streets of gold but that's it was the same day so I was oh, yeah, I was right. kind of obsessing on key changes probably that day that's so right that's, yeah, yeah, yeah that okay. we have two in the two major key weird <laughs> things in the record and this was one of them and they both came out of that 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 day when we were at your studio but the uh yeah. okay let's see so what happens there in the song is so you take that what we had there Right. Which I don't, you know, again, it's it kind of sounds like something. I don't know if it sounds like Emory even. I don't even know if you'd say it sounds like Emory, but it's in our world at least. And I, when I hear something yeah. like that, I think, okay, that's enough to go build on. So then you were tasked with taking that and then trying to go ahead and arrange it and anticipate what we meant and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff with it. Yeah. And did you find and, that hard or, I mean? No, it was time consuming. I mean, I... 
I would start and just study what Dave was playing on the drums and start there. Um, and uh, try, you know, try to copy his kick pattern or, or make mm-hmm. a little bit more of a pattern out of whatever his kick was doing. And same with the snare. That seemed tedious, but I was impressed with it. And it, it was very valuable to that we had the drum energy already there and some thought put into that, you know, yeah. so we could yeah. go ahead and write over it. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, that's how I write most of, of uh, the music that I, I write is start with fake drums and just kind of get a, a backbeat going. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's not novel to my process but so we dumped um, on you about 14 songs with yeah. demos of that quality and then you made a clicked it out and made a pre-production session so let's play that now yeah and this is still with the old verse then right I think so yeah That's pretty good sounding already. But. If anybody wants this verse, just go ahead. You can have it. Sell, Write a song with it. think they like it. This is very, very early 2000s emo. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you basically got the format there. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you made some interesting stuff out of it. You improved it. So the chords there is that C, D, B minor, E minor. The whole time it's in the key of G, but there's no G chord, and there's the A, right. a dominant chord. Um, I think that's what gives the first play, and it's got those the rhythmic breaks in it and stuff like that. I think that's what makes the the, the, the thing work. You know? Yeah. I always loved that it never went to the one in the chorus. Right. I, I love that. Yeah, there's no there's no there's no G in the song, I don't think. It doesn't ever do it. Not in the finished version. Yeah. Oh yeah, it does here, but in the finished yeah. version it never never hits the, the one there. Yeah, I I love that. You don't really notice it either. No, it in doesn't the, feel it doesn't feel like it's on purpose. No. And so, okay, well, I'll just let this play out here. But the, then you programmed the oh yeah this weird part. <laughs> this get, part gets a little janky. Yeah, it's funny. They don't really have a they don't have a sample for a snare rim. <laughs> yeah. Use. It's quirky. This is what what I put in my library is quirkiness. Yeah, is definitely what has I'm like looking a for. Franz Ferdinand. And then just something. Now you vibe. can. There you go. And then here's you jamming that on guitar, which is really cool. I like what I ultimately did, but this is cool in itself. Yeah, I'm not much of a lead player. That feels good. I like it. There's the one right there too. There um, so, <laughs> so what's interesting is you you know, you took that actually starts to sound like a real song minus vocals now. Before right. it was just a demo 
and you know you took it from that level to the next level but now it's a demo of a real song like a, a actual sounds like a real version of a real song except for all the parts aren't great and none nobody still knows what the vocals are we may have played mm -hmm. around with it a little bit in the room but i don't think anybody even had any vocal ideas so at this point the song's so. still relatively weak yeah i think but at this it, point it's still a weak a weak song on the album it's or a weak song that may not make the album a little on the generic side yeah for yeah. sure yeah generic for sure um, but it seems like there's potential there. And so the next thing is we said, okay, let's make these, let's try to get some real color in here and, and fix these verses. Yeah. Basically. Right. So what we did, what we wound up doing there is taking the verses and the chords on the verses, I'm going to have to pull. Okay. We're going to have to go to the real version of the song and I'll go to the instrumental actually. Yeah, that's right. I'll play the instrumental next from the finished version of the song and I, i'll either pause it or we can discuss it or whatever cool. makes sense here let's see guitar stem instrumental here we go all right so now this would be the finished recording with the decisions we made on it which some of it's very similar and some of it's way different but yeah. mainly the yeah. verses So when the verse comes up here, the chords will be C minor, B flat, major seven, G minor. Work on this on this verse is so good. And then F seven, which I, I love that one. But so yes, yeah, so, so C minor, B flat, major seven, G minor, and then the ace, and then B flat goes down to the slides down to the a7 and connects it back because the other part had the a7 so that's how yeah, the keys yeah, connect yeah. back you know what i never noticed is the the rhythm of that riff like the the chorus riff has a little bit different timing than the demo does yes it does it was because the vocals changed so i wanted it to match the vote once i heard the vocals i knew it it needed to change to, yeah 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 um i never caught that oh, yeah that's strange So back to the key change there for that, which is essentially a C. C minor is the key of the verse. In, right. In total. Which is the minor four of the original. Yeah. And then this part, I think I thought it needed another dynamic where it went down. Yes, that's right. Instead I, I just that, thought it like, needed to get Ferdinand like frenetic strumming and all that stuff. But this whole part is only engineered so that this pickup part that's coming next has more impact. Like, yeah. this had to get down lower so that it could build more to get to this next part. I love that we didn't crash into that part, too. I think yeah. that was... Yeah, that was the right move, for sure. Red, man. I love oh, yeah. So now it's starting to be a pretty exciting tune. But yeah. at oh, this absolutely. point, my journey with this song is still exactly what you hear. You know, <laughs> this is over a year period of time. But at this point, <laughs> I still have zero clue about the vocals. 
Yeah. You know, I hadn't heard a, one single note of what the vocals might be at this point. But I'm starting to feel like this song, by the time I'm composing those guitar parts and getting the stuff all the way down, I'm starting to feel pretty confident that this is getting exciting to where yeah. I'm happy with, with what I can do on it. Now I'm just hoping they don't screw it up. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what I'm we, thinking by the time we get to this point because I'm starting to get excited once I get all that done. Yeah, know? we give them this bed of of like highly highly processed and thought out mm -hmm. progressions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they and didn't disappoint, man. No, was, they didn't. I, Toby called me on it and said, "I just wrote the craziest thing on vocals. It was the craziest thing." He said he he just was. I think he was. He said that he was angry when he first heard the key change and how weird that was. He, and he was like. How the fuck am I supposed to write over this? You know, <laughs> the verses. Like, yeah, and it's weird. Um, <laughs> but I just thought he would, you know, I just thought he would be able to do. That's what I always do: is try to make it weird but exciting, and then have yeah. him smooth it over, and then nobody ever notices how weird it ever was. And that's, that's almost the formula. That's really his his like strong suit is is making making weird progressions sound completely mm -hmm. not pedestrian, but just just un unobtrusive i guess you know yeah because there's people that do together. math rock and stuff where they're trying to show off that it's weird right or something but that's not i mean yeah we use a weird time signature or alternate something or change something weird but that's just to give it just to keep it from being boring and then yeah. you smooth it back over and try and make it as catchy as possible so that people don't really know that the six eight or the measure of seven or the key change was there the goal is right. so that, that nobody really freaks out about it unless they're really paying attention. Well, Not that's yeah, to, you know, that's a good that's a good melody writer is somebody who's able to totally mask the the eccentricities of what's behind it, you know, and then you don't really notice it until you sit down, like like an Elliott Smith song or something where you're you try to figure it out after the fact, and you're like, oh, I thought that was a simple song, but there's way more going on. Mm -hmm than you thought and that just means there's a good melody writer honestly that's, that's right that's right it's, it's double it's double effect because it's complex and deep for a long time because it has all the complexity and on the surface is still just a catchy tune yeah basically and that best example of that like you mentioned before is pretty woman by roy orbison yeah yeah <laughs> i won't even analyze it just go pay attention to it learn it on guitar pay attention tabs. Pay attention to what's really going on there and the keys and the key changes and the chords. And then, oh, yeah, I just thought it was a simple little dumb song. My gosh, it's, it's complex. It's there. insane. It's, it's, yeah, and, that, and I love insane, it. Man. But uh, let's genius. listen to th that guitar. People have been commenting on it a lot. Thank you, everybody. That you like that guitar right. and the jazzy parts in that verse, which okay. came out good, which I was thrilled that the part that I didn't care too much about uh, wound up being nice but this will give you a chance to hear the guitar there's not much effects on it but it's got a little bit of space to it and stuff and you, you know what else i always think is funny is how these guitars they sound powerful and loud and heavy in the mix and all that <laughs> stuff but if you listen to them by themselves they just they just they're don't kind of, sound any good i just never not, think distorted guitars sound good by themselves at all no, rarely, they're just yeah they only do what they do what they do but they're it's yeah. just this big, messy, hissy sound. That's all I ever hear. But that's w what distorted guitar is, I guess. But. <laughs> I mean, you know. And uh, people will ask the tone, obviously, what the amp is. But 
I mean, clean guitar is so much better than distorted guitar. It really is. So much more character to it. I love, so I did this, I love those I did, voicings, man. Yeah, thank you. Um, I did the whole this whole record with a Vox AC30 and a Telecaster and a few pedals that I have on my board, uh, including a boost pedal, which was a Strymon uh, Riverside that I bought right when I started. And uh, I used that on every song, both guitar parts, everywhere I played. And then you played stuff, too, on some of it. But most of the guitar is me, left and right, with that this same amp. You know, I used it for clean distortion, never moved the mic, yeah. never used the second guitar, didn't do anything. And the little, the little bit of guitar I did on the record was a telly through an AC32. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over the place. Oh, check this out, this part here. Ah. Okay, so that part right that. there, uh, people ask me about it already a little bit, but that, I just, I'll go ahead and give you just a quick... This is a quick little jazzy trick there. That run that happens right there is on an F7 chord, and it is a diminished run. So when you, if you ever get to a dominant chord with a seven, just a, a full-on like F7 chord or something like that, yeah. you can play diminished stuff over that. If you're familiar with the diminished scale, which is the pattern is just, you know, whole step, half step, whole step, half step, or just you know, step and a half, step and a half, step and a half. And uh, right. it works if you build it off the third of the dominant chord. So if it's an F7 chord, start on the note A, which is the third of that chord, right. and you can play a, something, a diminished uh, lick or scale from there. And I always think that's a little bit fun to do. So I th got to throw it in there um, and hope that it would it would be tasteful and not too obnoxious and it wouldn't bother vocals or something like that. And it turned out to work. So I thought yeah. it was pretty cool to slide Fantastic. in there. So I'll play that again. <laughs> so that man, that's, that's Greek for me, man. <laughs> that is not where my mind goes, but I love it. And then this is the, this part turned out neat. This part caught me off guard when I heard what you did. It's weird. I was expecting that that real chunky guitar. Um, but yeah, the way it steps up into the heavier part, I think, is was the right call for sure. And this turned out, this part's cool. Yeah, just rock and roll. So that's tapping, obviously, on that part and that part, and then the rest is whatever. So that tapping part, I will have to tell you, is one of the least organic things in the record, and it's relatively <laughs> organic. I did not do it in one. I don't didn't did not do that whole part in one take. Most of the you sections. You piece it together. Yeah, well, I punched in the tapping because I had to turn the gain up on the pedal to get ah. get it, and I over turned up the gain when I listened back to it. So it doesn't. It sounds a little unnatural to me listening I back to it. I didn't catch that. Well, when you tap, if the gain isn't that high, and I'm using relatively low gain on this record, it doesn't quite. Um, it's something a little bit missing. You know, if you tap on an acoustic, for instance, it's gone, there's nothing. <laughs> so yeah. if you if you're if you're on a middle gain setting and you do a tappy part, it doesn't have enough. 
juice to it. Well, it's it's like the beginnings of feedback, right? That's what you kind of harness that mm-hmm. sort of resonance with the strings. Yeah, yeah. It's just the sense. beginning. So at a medium gain, like I'm using there in the part, and I go to do that tappy thing, it doesn't really work. So I had to go back and punch it with the gain <laughs> up, and then play, and then it because it, it goes to tapping, and then it goes back to like loose bendy. And I thought, to me, this guitar part, I love it. I could tell you all about it, but it just sounds like I'm showing off or something, but that's what we're here to do, I guess, is talk about the thought process behind it. But this guitar lead, to me, is one of my favorite parts of any Emory song, because in context later, you know, if you hear it in the whole record, it's almost like an emotionally exciting thing for me because it's a trade-off part between Devin and Toby, and they're singing, and Toby's singing hard, and Devin's singing pretty, on the kind of the right side and then Matt's over here playing pretty interesting stuff on the guitar on the left side and I just yeah. feel like all three of us are just <laughs> killing it at the same time and it's not it's not hurting each other like we, there's room for yeah. all three of us to do something no special at the anybody. same yeah. time and it's totally. not stepping on each other so that makes me that made me really excited that, that to pull that off basically Cause a lot yeah. of times I want to do something but then it doesn't matter the vocals are just going to take it over but right. it, it fits together really well and so what I was trying to make it was this real, I was trying to be kind of, you know, lyrical or something. I was trying to make it sound like, pay pay attention here. Like the, it was bendy and double yeah. stoppy bendy kind of stuff. And then the, the tapping was just to be flashy at, at that point. It's like, where else can you go? <laughs> just be flashy. But, and, but it goes to the tapping one time and then, it, then right from the tapping, right back to like a, a super or because me, tapping, I think is a super mechanical Oh yeah, thing with not much feeling, mathy thing. Yeah, yeah, without much feeling, but the whole rest of it is all about feeling. And so I thought that was super neat that it jumps into tapping, and then back out into this really kind of weak, bendy kind of part. You know, so if you listen to all that together, just and then in context with Devin and Toby killing it at the same time, I'm just so proud of how that this section turned out. See, that's all about the bend and the dissonance. You know? Yeah. So rock and roll. This is like one of the like most honest rock and roll moments of the album, I think. And this is so unexpected. And then back to organic. And then mechanical. Oh, it's just, yes. I mean, it's, yeah, I love yeah. it. I wish, I, I wish that was one solid take and I was just sitting here, played it, and I nailed it. But I did punch in, change the game stage, all that kind of thing. But I, I could hear, I knew what I wanted it to, how I wanted it to turn out, and it turned out great. But you know, now you, I have the ability. You know, if we do it, I guess we'll do it live. So I'll have to play it all together. So that'll yeah, be fun. You're have to. Did you write it in in uh, pieces like that, like, or did you come up with the whole the melody of the of the lead, and then realize you're gonna have to switch game stages at at a certain point? Um, yeah, I guess I was just, let's see if I can answer that. So I, I talked about this on, on Devin and Toby's Song Rescue podcast recently, but what I was doing, what I've been doing lately to on leads is trying to channel uh, energy first. So I'll play through it a bunch of times and just go crazy like I'm playing air guitar. Like I'll be here in the studio late at night. And sometimes I'll get high <laughs> or whatever. I'm just trying to have fun. I'm trying to get yeah. myself where I'm just having fun and like in it. And then I'll try to play it like I'm playing air guitar. Like I don't know what I'm playing, but you can imagine if you played air guitar and you were trying to like in a show off, like what you would do with your hands, like what you yeah, would imagine yeah. in your head would come out. 
and you just go for it on the guitar and don't think about the notes at all so a lot of it's in the right hand like the energy of the right hand is like right i'm trying and i look at the left hand i don't even think about it like maybe i'm playing in this in the key or something like on a scale but i'm not thinking about notes at all i'm just thinking about I'm rocking. I'm going to do a big bend. I'm going to go up high. I'm going to go down low. I'm like, really dig in. I'm going to give it a break. I'm just, you know, just, I just let it rip with no thought of notes until yeah. I feel like that would be exciting if the notes were good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and then, of the, course, I'm good at composing. I know what all the notes could be. <laughs> like that, the note part is very easy after that for me. So by that, because I know mean, what chords there are. I mean, it's not hard to compose cool notes once. You know yeah. the, the frame so of the solo would, or the lead. Would you then? Was is it more of a rhythm thing then? Uh, well, it's, it's energy. I'm look. I, I build the energy of the energy. part. Like okay. it's gonna go crazy and it's gonna go high and you're gonna really, uh, you know, just whatever it feels like it would be. If if you know if you picked up the saxophone and pretended like you could play it, that would imply <laughs> something, right? Musically, you just wouldn't know how to execute it, right? Right. Like you could pick up a saxophone. And go here we go. When if you heard some music playing, like I'm gonna do a ripping solo on the saxophone, you could get up there and put your hands on the keys and mimic what it would be like to be awesome at saxophone. Yeah, and you would have okay. something in mind, like from a visceral level of what would be awesome there. You just don't have the ability to execute it. Right. But then yeah. I also have the separate ability to go back and you know figure out what the notes should be. Assign the right. The assigning the notes yeah. is not hard once I know what it really should feel like. So that's kind of what, Man, I, what I did a lot on this record. I swear to God, dude, you, you and I write so differently. <laughs> I've learned so I much know. from uh, from this process. I love it. Well, I may do things a weird way, but yeah, I didn't have. You know. That was great. And then I thought, you know, I thought, well, take it up another level. You know, the tapping idea was just another. It was just how extreme can you take this? Yeah. I'm never trying to be. The, the the limit is if it sounds t I don't know how to say this but there's some limit of show offiness or athleticism or perfection that I don't that I'm not don't look for I don't want I don't like it's it's almost too embarrassing like there may be other stuff I could do to show off but I would be embarrassed to do it or yeah. something like that's as yeah. that's as much as I'm willing to do I mean I could you know what I mean yeah. I'm not saying I'm a better guitar yeah. player, but I never show it either. I'm not, I mean, I had to, like I said, I had to punch this part to play it. So whatever, yeah. but I'm just wow. trying to, to me, the actual guitar track that I'm making for the record is the art form. It's not me playing. It's not me practicing. It's not me performing. It's, I'm just getting just, I just want the track to be as cool as it can be. And yeah. I, you know, I get to perform it on stage and it's fun to write it, but I'm a decent guitar player, but none of that's really important to me. Like, yeah. if the, to the point where it sounds like I'm showing off on guitar, I've gone too far, basically. <laughs> Which is a hard balance to, yeah. to strike because it's a guitar solo. Like, well, there's I mean, not really a guitar been... solo. There's two vocal parts happening. So yeah, the fact true. that I can get away with all that is, is really exciting. That's really amazing. Yeah. I, I don't really want to do a guitar solo where everybody's just listening to me. I, I don't know. I don't even really... I've just never been that attracted to that or confident in doing it or something. So it's I love hiding it and stuff like that. And this is a fun ability to, you know, let yeah. people hear what's all really in All three of there. you walking down the catwalk just uh, basking in the <laughs> <laughs> spotlight. <laughs> well, I, I mean, how do you think of it different when you go to compose the guitar part? <clears throat> you just play it or you yeah. hear it or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've never been much of a lead player. Like, I, I, I don't 
I don't I don't know. It's never really clicked for me, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not an imp- improviser at all. I well, have to... what is this? <laughs> that's mechanics. That's that's just me memorizing some like Angus Young riffs and <laughs> well, I mean, what are you thinking that. when when you do that? Did, I mean, did you spend time on that? Did you did you compose yeah. it, or you're just noodling in a key? Just uh, noodling I mean, in a key. I knew mm-hmm. that was that was purely placeholder. Yeah, because it was you know still cool, it, was, it was an energy you know it, like right. Was, and so, but let's go all the way back though. You're still cueing though. I'm gonna do yours again. I'm gonna play your whole one. I, I'm not holding this up as m- my solo versus yours because you weren't even trying, and I. So I'm not comparing that, but I just want to see how right. the, how it evolved there. Um, let's see where's that thing. So the you did. I'll play yours again. And I'll play mine. We'll get out because I like your playing a lot. It's well, I I appreciate that, uh, but it's about as generic as it as it gets. <laughs> I'm having a problem, <laughs> which is, which is fine for a placeholder. You know. <laughs> uh, I'm having a problem with my file here. One more second. I don't want to edit this podcast, so I will talk <laughs> while I try to reload the file. There we go. <laughs> Those drums. I mean, that wasn't your first and only take, right? No. Is this no. good? <laughs> it's fine. It's just not memorable. There's nothing like, there's nothing about it that makes you think. No. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know I'm just mean? curious it's, though. You you know you just that wasn't one single take though. You 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 thought about that a little bit at least. I mean, I think it feels pretty good. There's some pretty neat moments in that lead there. I know it was placeholder, but I still like it. Well, I yeah, it it did what it needed to do at the time. Well, um, do you think that it, if you go all the way full circle back to the original demo in the room, this is closer yeah. to what I was saying before, is a lot of these times when I went back to try to write the leads, I was like, what was I thinking that day in Bremerton when like the drums picked up and I, my fingers yeah. just moved up the fretboard intuitively? Like I must yeah. have been onto something kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I think that's what you were trying to do in some ways interpret. Like, oh, it, totally. It, so there's a real interplay is what I'm trying to suggest is to me, I hear my guitar part have an idea, and then you took that idea and did some stuff with it. Here, here, right. Here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember what I was thinking. I was like, I can't... <laughs> I don't think I can figure out what Matt was doing. Here. Yeah. So I was doing so something go... and I didn't know what it was. I, that was just notes from a chord. Like I was just arpeggiating a chord there, but it had a certain energy of like, here yeah. we go, we're going to take off. And then you, which, you know, I could feel that happening. And then when I heard your part, it had those bends in it and stuff. I was yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. a really nice tension. So what you wrote for the placeholder inspired the thing that I ultimately did still too. Oh, so which the thing that you did was inspired by the first thing that I did. Right. Which was just inspired by <laughs> what the energy of that drum part picking up was in the first place. Right. So what a well, neat little circle that is. 
Yeah, and I think I think between that, you're arpeggi- uh, arpeggiating that chord, and then Dave's drums just going into just just a rock. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a rock and roll beat, like doom, 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 doom. It uh, it screamed just like corny bends and you know <laughs> ACDC style not in not in like the part was I think the part was the perfect part for that the end of that song but but for me I was like I I want to suggest just good old rock and roll for this mm-hmm. part so I'm gonna bend the hell out of this and like do all the little like guitar center noodley tricks that I know and then I'll let Matt fine-tune it but I but I really did use your energy and your interpretation and your intuition like you know I feel like in some ways I'm a vampire it's not a vampire because a vampire is parasitic in nature and I feel like I help other people more than I take from them I I try to be that way (laughs) but for sure the people that I surround myself with and try to be around and like are people that have skills and talents that I most certainly don't have, and I just try to channel them and use them. So in this regard, I feel like I've used you to get somewhere for me. And, <laughs> and I hope you don't feel used about it, but that was kind no, of... No. I, I made no, the guitar part that's ultimately super cool, but I use your... You know, I use other people's... Ooh, like if I can find a, yeah. a, an expressive person to have an intu- a creative intuition, oh, let me take that and run with it is kind of the way that I feel yeah. as an arranger and a composer, you know. I'm always, well, I mean, sometimes I have inspiration, but largely I don't have as much. And I look for other people that go, you know what this needs? And then they explain it and then I'll go make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was that was kind of the mindset I went into with with creating those, like dumping everything onto Pro Tools and creating those demos was... Like I'm, it's almost it was almost like a conversation. Like you guys mm-hmm. sent me this. That's a good way. And to look then at I was I was a sounding board. Mm-hmm. And like this is what I heard. Tell me where you know where I'm off track. And you know and, and I just trying to channel the energy that I got from those demos was was my objective. That's that was pretty much it. Other and, and you know some arrangement stuff. But well, we'll play the whole song there with the vocals if people haven't heard it. But really, that's just. You know, that's exciting to look back at and reflect on because it just proves that collaboration is just so much better than doing stuff by yourself. Like, the interplay on this record, we've not had it on another record as much. Even though we did a lot of it remote, it was give it to him, give it to him, bring it back, try it again. And it's that thing when you're in a conversation with somebody, so conversation is kind of the right word for it, where you're like, do you have an idea? I'm trying to figure something out, and then somebody else has an idea, and then immediately you go, no, 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 that's not right. I know the idea now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. just somebody totally. else saying something gives you something to criticize and then have the next right idea. Right. So yeah, you need somebody to go do it wrong so you can say, oh, that's wrong. Here's what it ought to be. Like sometimes yeah. that's what you need somebody to just go first and try something bad. Just because that spark. It, of- yeah, because you'll go, well, that's wrong. It's wrong because it needs to be. Now you're now you're collaborating. It's not a zero right. sum game. I mean, you get more out of it when you involve more people. You're better when you let other people. You know what I mean? Right. Like if you let other people the, take it for a right little while, people. you will do better. And it's a matter yeah. of feedback. Like it's a method of getting feedback, and instead of just controlling everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I I think uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you say conversations because there are definitely like. 30 email long chains mm. <laughs> per song in my <laughs> that, Do uh, you have any point of this recording process that was particularly frustrating or difficult or, you know, 
gosh. I mean, you, I you could just say Toby's stupid or Matt's <laughs> particular or whatever you want to say. No, uh, there was one song, the one, uh, the one song that was a little frustrating that we actually end up, ended up not finishing mm-hmm. because it was the fourteenth or fifteenth song that we didn't mm-hmm. actually need for the record. But uh, I was. I was kind of terrified of that song because I never got the vision for it. You know which mm-hmm. one I'm talking about? Yeah, it never, it never got there. Yeah, yeah. It was Toby. Toby sent us, I think, a voice memo where he he maybe sang a guitar line or 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 no, he had an acoustic guitar or something, and he sent it over. And you're like, okay, okay, I know what to do with this. And I and I was just like looking, <laughs> I was just looking at you like, man, I have no idea what this means or where this is going. So you were worried we're going to do this song, and this one's just not good. Well, it, that that was just the one where I was like, I don't even, I I can't even like pretend I know what the potential of this of this voice memo is. <laughs> you know, I still uh, that think a, that that song can be saved, but the vocals will have to be recomposed since we've changed it. But that one got out of whack fast, and that one we did yeah, kind of spiraled out. Yeah, um, but there is something there. I yeah, mean, there's when, definitely something you, on even on that one. I don't want to give up on it, but once you and me and Dave. Like kind of fucked with it for a little while and and got the demo version. It was definitely a big step towards you know legit songhood, which I I did not have faith it was. <laughs> well, we're still going to try and work that song out. Probably start over on vocals now that the music has some coherence to it. And if not, then uh, you know I don't know because sometimes because we have this, drum tracks. Yeah, I mean, there's some that, really right? great stuff on it. Like it's exciting. Yeah. To me, the instrumental is starting to get good on that one, but it changed so much from it was started with the vocal. I don't know, it just got off track. And there's something weird about songs that take a long time. It's not usually a great return on investment when you spend there's forever a, on a song. There's a point of diminishing returns mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, doesn't mean every song has to come super fast, but if you're on the fourth iteration and still trying to get it finished, you'll probably eventually get it to where you it's okay. Yeah, is usually like yeah, it, that was all right. But ne- the best songs are almost never that. I mean, no. If you think it could be, it's still worth trying to figure it out, you know. But mo- in my experience, most of the times when the songs that take the longest turn out to be, you know, mediumly good. You can smell the amount of effort that went into it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so I won't remark much on the lyrics of this because that's not. I don't really, you know. It's not my thing to comment too much on, but it's called Is This the Real Life? And it was the working title on it was Once Bremerton 8, and then after that it was Toby Does Drugs. And I don't know if that was because it sounded like, you know, it's just such a trippy vibe. Did you label it that? I labeled that just just so that it wasn't just Brem 8. Um, But it was because in the chorus, Toby says everybody has a way to get high or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right, right. And I thought it would be kind of funny and make some people laugh. But Yeah. So I do know that Toby always thinks about reality and is is this real? Is life here? Am I the only one? And everybody else is like made up in my head. And he oh, struggles yeah. in real life with reality being real. That's just he's kind a of big, a theme of Toby's. <laughs> he's a big uh, simulation theory guy, right? Or well, not in the technical to, sense. He just about it. Not in the technical sense, so that he doesn't, he couldn't articulate to you Neil Bostrom's, you know, Nick Bostrom's, is it Nick or Neil? Nick. I, I don't know. He couldn't articulate to, you know, the simulation theory, but he 
often maintains that he's the only person that's actually real and everybody else is figments <laughs> of his imagination. It, he articulates that a lot. He, he has that intuition a lot. He thinks when he meets somebody else that's similar to somebody else that he met, he goes, that's just me recycling people in my imagination because I created the, all these people. You know, <laughs> the engineers getting lazy with their... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, so he, I know this one has some some amount to do with, you know, what people do, it, what's real, what's not, and what people do to escape it or not, or, or deal with reality and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not, I, we'll, we'll, he can talk about the lyrics another time or anything, but um, and, we'll play and the a, whole song here and let people hear that if they've not heard it. it the title's a little bit of a nod towards Queen too, right? Yep. From the... the mm-hmm. um, and Bohemian I don't Rhapsody. know if there's really much musical nod to Queen in this particular song, but in general, Queen is a band that has got the... I don't think Emory sounds like Queen or anything. And we have the, you know, listen to Freddie Mercury songs. So that reference, those references are real close for us. But because Queen will write a song about bicycles or something, you know, like <laughs> they, bottom girls. they're not, yeah, they're not afraid to be silly or crazy. Yeah. They weren't afraid to be silly or crazy or do anything way outside and try to pull it off. And they totally did. So that's, that's, well, that's the idea. And one thing I've, I've noticed, uh, playing with you guys and it's the sort of like the um oh gosh i'm gonna blank on the the um the heavy song that we thrash yeah on thrash where it's mashing these these kind Mm -hmm. of different uh genres together that you wouldn't necessarily expect which is a very queen yeah thing to do like a you know the rock opera sort of archetype or whatever but yeah there's yep. some par- parallels there, I think. Yeah, it is. So, and and that's Toby's thing there on that title and everything else. So, I'll let y'all interpret the lyrics, but that's all I know. Um, and I hope everybody's enjoying this song. We released another song called "Safe," which is a big. Uh, it's one that we just I think is super special. That should be coming on. It'll be. I think the backers of the campaign have that song now. And then it'll go live to Spotify and stuff like that in the next few days. So pay attention. That was oh, almost cool. more of a ballad. I don't know if I'm going to do a break it down episode on it exactly or not, but we got a, a little video for that. And that's the next one. And it's one that Devin leads uh, that is just. It turned out great. Yeah, it, it's terrific. I'm, I'm thrilled with that one. Mm. And uh, when you do hear that song, I will nod also to Chris <laughs> that on that song, when you hear it, I did. I basically didn't play guitar on it. Chris's demo was so spot on, his interpretation of it. I said, well, just track that because it's done. <laughs> I think I put a little bit of heavy guitar on the very end of it or something. But Yeah, um, he played the second half, I think. But I just said, yeah. okay, that's great. But No, I just did one little thing at the end. Just one little rhythm track at the end is all. But the, Chris composed most of those guitar parts and played it. So when you hear that, that's all all the credit to those guitar and guitar tones, which he says are what they're all AC30 and telly. Also, AC30. I played one track on that song with the uh, Epiphone Casino for mm-hmm. f- sort of just power chord stuff. But yeah, mainly just the the telly and the uh, that winning combination of telly and Vox. Well, Chris, I appreciate you for all that you did on their programming drums, tracking Dave's drums without me there. Craziest yeah, thing that's man. ever happened that drum tracking <laughs> happened. I wasn't even there. Lots of texts and phone calls during that week. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was awesome. It's been really efficient and you're playing on the record where you played is great and you know, everything you did oh, made this you know, it made the record be what it is. 
Um, I'm super, super happy about it, super proud of it. And no matter what, I enjoy this record more than any other one because I have the most distance from it. I get to hear it fresh. I get to hear it happen without me ha over thinking on every little part and it's just it's way more satisfying it's just it, it's been it was it's was really a pleasure so i want to say thank oh, you publicly and every other way to you for what you did on it thanks man it was a it was a really special experience for me like it was <clears throat> i'd never done a record like that before and i'm i'm better for it for sure <laughs> i really enjoyed it really well, enjoyed well, well good good we'll leave you with the guys with the song here and we'll be back next week i don't know what we'll do but we'll come up with something <laughs> thanks man I stay in my dreams, but I don't know what that means. Are you real or am I? You tell yourself to take it slow, but there's only one place to go. We all have a way to get high. Run towards the fantasy, all the places I would rather be. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading! Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s, and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.